Welcome back to Cosmic Soup. Thanks for joining us again. We're going to pick up right where we left off last time and dig into part two of our discussion about social media and digital marketing. So please welcome back to the show from Third Third Marketing, Trish Mayer and Anna Rose Warren. Welcome back, ladies. Thanks for joining me again here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Glad to be here. So we just got done spending a lot of time talking about some crazy social media stuff and kind of the tie-in with with digital marketing. That's all really, really, really cool. Um, I also wanted, I guess, kind of bring up the fact that unlike a lot of people in the industry, not only do you work in the digital realms, but you both also do a lot of field work by visiting communities all over the country. How has this uh, helped you in developing programs that benefit communities? Yeah, I think that's a major differentiator at our agency is we actually send a lot of the team into the field, at least someone from every department, because we think it's important, um, especially as the industry is getting more competitive and those baby boomers are aging in and there's so many new communities coming online every year. We're seeing that our clients have to compete so much more than they used to. And so going on those site visits is how we really figure out like, what is a differentiator about your community? Like, are you in the suburbs? Do you have a lot of grounds? Do you have gardens? Or are you more of an urban community and you have like a high rise and a roof deck? Like, what do you have that the community down the street doesn't have? And what's the vibe like? And I feel like we can talk to people all we want, but going into those communities is usually how I get those little nuggets of like, what are we going to reflect on the website and in the digital campaigns? And then how do you go about collecting those nuggets? Is it simply observation or are you having conversations? We certainly, we work on a lot of focus groups. So we will go in and actually interview, um, you know, current residents of four years, current residents of two years, the ones who just moved in, the prospects, the families. We'll sit down and we'll really talk to them for several days, all day long, um, and gather that information. And then of course, we're also doing interviews with both staff, we're speaking with them. And to me, I think that's, I feel very, very lucky to do that because I know there's a lot of people who work in digital who don't have that opportunity to really go and sit down. And I think um, we're really able to pick up on the culture that way and on the common threads on what patterns we see in resident um, sentimentality, all those things um, of what they're feeling. But um, for me, also, it's not just the interviews, it's photography and video for social media. So that becomes a really cost-effective way for a lot of our clients' communities to, you know, bring us in. We're there for a week doing these interviews, and we're also shooting social media photography. And we pick up on, you know, all of those things I just mentioned about residents, but we're also just documenting vignettes of what the community looks like. And then that's content we can produce um, and push out over the next quarter. So if we do that several times a year, of course that's much more cost effective than, than bringing in you know a big photo shoot team, doing a big video, but we can come and just kind of casually participate and be a part of the community and see what it's like, and then um, be able to, to record and, and push out that message on all our channels. That's amazing. We love it. <laughs> it's our <laughs> you know, favorite it's, thing. <laughs> it's kind of funny really, though because really I know that I know that our company, I know that Third Third uh, and Culinary Coach, we're we're really big on the focus groups. I have been learning as I go that a lot of companies have not even gotten to the stage where they've identified that they might have some challenges, but they haven't even taken that route to do their own kind of focus groups or do their own surveys. What is the importance of that element to you? 
I think sometimes when we're coming in and doing the focus group, it brings a different level of authority because I know that some communities, like they do resident surveys and they ask career feedback and suggestions and all of that. But I think you kind of get stuck in a rut of like the same residents complaining about the same things or people don't see change so they stop complaining. And I think it brings a new life to it when we come in because they're like, wow, they're finally doing the community is bringing in people to listen to us. And I think it revives that conversation. And so in my experience, we get a lot of new comments from the residents that the management might've been aware of, but in different ways, or we're hearing things that are totally new. And so I think that's really where the value is added is having that third party who's not, they're seen as a neutral, right? There's not going to be a repercussion for management for complaining about something, even if you think it's anonymous. So that's valuable. People are so honest with us in a way that, you know, they wouldn't feel comfortable being like, hi, you're the COO of the company. I'm going to tell you all my problems. And you're always going to know me as the person who has those problems. Um, so that's been really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Sean has talked about this too, but, but I think it's also really important. I think we make a connection with the staff and part of our role is always to, um, from social is to get, um, photo, video, all this content from the staff. So to really sit down with them and say, Hey, what are the problems that you see in your day to day? What are the things that you love about your job? What do you want to highlight? I'm a human. You're a human. Let's work on this together. You know, we're here to really highlight the best of your community and help you solve those problems. That just goes such a long way in terms of creating those connections because I know that, you know, there's a lot of places we go in and they've had all these other, you know, marketing people come through and the marketing people just make pretty stuff and don't check in with them. And so to say, hey, we, we really genuinely care what's going on and we're only here to highlight what's actually going on. Talk to us about that. Let's talk about operations, all those things. Um, I don't know. It brings a great value, I think, to our lives and our jobs and, and also to those community folks. Yeah. What is the next step after you go out in the field and you gather all of this absolutely epic information, you know, survey results, focus group results, audio, video, madness, you name it. When you gather all the stuff that you need, then how do you go about piecing that together into a a coherent package that makes sense? I would say we have two magic people. That's Cynthia, our principal, and Derek, our creative director, and they take all of that information and boil it down into a messaging and, and a creative strategy. So I am not the best person to speak on that, but Trish, do you have a a solidified answer? Yeah, so I was going to say it's a lot of internal meetings to download and kind of share what we all heard, and then we rely on the creatives to start to synthesize that and see what those commonalities are, and then we continue meeting internally and see if we're agreeing on those commonalities. Okay. And that is how the brand is born. Awesome. The brain works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how the brain works. So, well, let's pivot away from all of that and move towards the 500 pound gorilla in the room. And I'm not talking about myself, but clearly we're going through perhaps our biggest social, financial and health challenge of the modern era with this whole COVID-19 new coronavirus outbreak. So, uh, Trish, what's different now with the new reality of COVID when it comes to online marketing? Um, I think the name of the game has been being flexible and quick to react online, which I think for senior living, it depends on the community and the budget, but typically you're updating things more like monthly or quarterly. And right now we've switched to daily. We have to be ready to um, assist clients and get things live on their sites because 
you know, things are changing every day and what they're allowed to do and what they're having happen in their community. Um, so that's been really cool to see how communities have been able to be flexible. And I think it has implications how we're going to go forward with digital marketing as well. I think right now is really a really cool proving ground for digital marketing in senior living because I think we're starting to lean on it a lot heavier um, because if something happens in your community right now and you just need to stop marketing for a day, you need to wait and see what's going to happen. You can just turn your digital marketing off if you need to go dark and then you can pick it right back up in a few more days. And I think um, in traditional channels, you don't have that freedom. So I think we've been seeing clients wanting to shift budgets into some of those like paid search and website optimization channels. Okay. And uh, AR, how has this changed the social landscape? I totally agree with Trisha, of course, on the flexibility point that, you know, it's not even hourly. I mean, it's not even daily. It's hourly sometimes that, you know, we'll get an update and there's something that we want to make our full audience aware of publicly right away. You know, hey, this newsletter has gone out. We want to make sure that everybody sees it. We're not having people in the community right now, things like that. So we are able to pivot very quickly on that messaging and turn things off and on, change advertising, say we're not going to do events right now, all of that stuff. But then also just from a social standpoint, um, I think, you know, of course people are online now more than ever, but they're also just hungry for good news and they're hungry for, hey, what's going on inside the community that I can't get in. Um, So it's been really, really huge for us to start, you know, documenting any fun thing that's happening, any like, you know, my family came and visited and here they are out the window holding up a happy birthday sign, singing a song to me through the window. Like all of those messages just pull all of our heartstrings because we've all been so affected by this, this situation. But I think, you know, for the families, they are so desperate for that kind of good news that, Hey, like everyone's okay in here. We're all doing everything we can. We're taking every precaution. And here's a picture of a bunch of smiles. Here's a video of us walking down the hallway, you know, showing us Lysoling the walls. Like (laughs) I think showing that, that you care that your community is on top of it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely been big these past few weeks. And I think it's just going to get even bigger when we start to fully realize what we can do with social media, how many people we can reach, how, how positive of a story we can tell in this time when there are very few positive stories. Yeah. Yeah. Positive stories and and positivity in general, I think is a much needed element to the doom and gloom that we're so constantly getting crammed down our throats at this point. I love the, I love the positivity. I love to, you know, see pictures of people. Hey, I cooked this awesome meal for dinner tonight. Or, Hey, you know, I, I hung out with my dog and watched a movie. Just anything is just says, I'm just making the best of what's going on. I just, I think that uh, that's awesome. And I, I support that hundred percent. I think whatever the situation is too, like, I'm sure, you know, times are going to get harder. Things are going to get worse in some ways. Um, but to, to maintain that mentality that we do have some sweetness, some, some good in our lives, despite what's going on, even when, you know, we do have to push out unfortunate messages or things that are scary. Um, it's just keeping the rest of that in mind that like, we will get through this, we will all, you know, like sure. push on in the ways that we can. And I think um, digital platforms are a great way to, sh- to share that message. Yeah. So from both a digital marketing and a social standpoint, then how should communities be responding right now? I think for my side of things, they just have to be honest, which I think we've seen from all of our clients so far. Everyone's been very transparent. 
and ready to put that press release up of like, we're not allowing anyone to the communities. And then if they start to have any COVID cases, they're ready with those press releases as well. So I think you have to be transparent. You have to be reacting quickly. Um, and then I think Anna Rose has a lot more intel on like how you can tie that in to the positive day-to-day -day happenings in the community as well. I think that's totally right. Like the the authenticity of like, hey, this is what's really going on. And sometimes, you know, those are harsh things to write. How do we how do we streamline this for families? Because I think we're putting out press releases or we're sharing newsletters that are, it's just harsh kind of legal language. Um, so on social, to me, that's softening those words and making sure that families know how they can communicate with their loved ones. Like, hey, we are going to set up, you know, Skype FaceTime visits. Let us know how we can help you get a package to your mother, you know, that's that's going to help all our residents during this time. Um, I think those are important. So, so we're taking a message that, you know, right now we can't have anyone in or maybe we had this incident and here's how we're handling it. So first and foremost, to let your audience members know exactly what's going on and to be honest about it and then to say, you know, here's what we're doing to make this a time when everyone in our community is not suffering. We are doing everything we can to carry on, you know, with, with positive engagement and social distancing activities and all the things that I think there are so many communities right now. There's so many staff members who are really just going so incredibly above and beyond to make that happen, to make their residents feel safe and, and joyful and loved. And um, we want to showcase that in any way we can. Yeah. I think that's a, uh... Again, it's just awesome. I just, I just love the, you know, keep it positive, but keep it real. You know, just honesty, transparency, let people know what's up, but let people know that it's not a, it's not a hopeless situation. There's plenty that we can be doing in the meantime, for sure. I'm curious then, if each of you owned your own community, what would your next step be right now to make a difference in an online marketing and social media campaign for a company? I think that we do need to be setting ourselves up as well. If I owned a community, I think these baseline things that Anna Rose and I have talked about of being transparent and honest and then being sharing the good news that you do have, but then what's that next step? How do you guarantee the longevity of your community? Of course, right now it might not be possible to continue marketing because you're literally all hands on deck. Like you're helping delivering meals. You're just keeping the community going. But I think, you know, in the next few weeks, as it starts to hopefully hit the apex and come down, there's going to be this new need of, well, okay, how do we come through this? And then we're going to have to start marketing again. And I think the reality is we're not going to want to bring people into the community for a while. So setting yourselves up now in how you can start doing things virtually, I think, is where communities have to look. They have to look into what kind of webinars can they do? What kinds of online events can they host? What is the lead base like? And are they engaging and nurturing with them during this time? And I don't think it has to be in a cheesy or salesy way. I think it can still continue to be genuine in terms of like everyone's stuck in their home. Everyone's getting groceries delivered. Like you can just connect with people over happy hours or whatever it may be. And I think the brands and the communities that do that are going to be the ones that really build with their lead list during that time. And I think that's where I would focus if I was running the ship. Okay. Awesome. Anna Rose, how about you? Yeah, I totally get that. I think right now, 
social media, any sort of marketing in general can feel like this extra thing when you're in a crisis that like, why would I, you know, care to market or why would I like go this extra mile to have my engagement coordinator take a photo of, you know, the one fun thing we've done in a week. Um, but I think looking, you know, it is about looking forward. It's about saying, okay, in a month, in three months, in a year, where are we going to be with our leads list? Like, what is our marketing going to look like? And it's also about thinking about that um, existing audience or family members and your prospects who are already kind of following your page or looking at your site um, and saying, what can we do to show that there are good things going on? So it is about, you know, just like what we said, being honest, but, sh but showcasing everything we can um, in terms of that's positive videos, that's the webinar content um, we're creating, you know, like this is our live dance party of we're all driving in the halls, things like <laughs> that that really lift spirits um, among all people. And it, and it doesn't have to have that salesy pitch either um, that, you know, we're trying to bring you in. No, we're just trying to lighten your spirit. And we're, we are trying to show that despite what the media may be saying about senior communities or nursing homes or what have you, we are safe, you know, we can always pivot this message at any time if something happens. But for now, this is what's going on. We're doing the best we can for the circumstances. Yeah. Well, and you kind of touched on it too on a couple of things, you know, thinking long-term, we've definitely talked about um, the short-term, how we're dealing with people more in a virtual kind of a space and still having engagement, though it's via kind of remote work. And then I think, Trish, it was you that brought up the possibility of a, of a kind of longer term shift going from the very controversial uh, concept of print kind of shifting more into the digital realm. What is your guys' take on that? Oh, yeah. I think we get heat for this even in the agency as the digital voices here. <laughs> but um, I think in general, just in the marketing world, you see a shift from digital or from print and traditional channels to digital. And I think that's happening in so many industries. Um, and in senior living, we look a lot to the hospitality industry and looking at hotels and how they're marketing because there's a lot of similarities. And we've seen for a long time that those spends are going digital and they're really using that data and they're honing in and they're personalizing those messages and building out these customer pathways to move people down the funnel and get them to book rooms. And I think we can apply that to senior living a lot. And then I see in the future, you're using print then to support that. So you're using it at specific touch points instead of it used to be mass marketing and you're targeting the print, but you're really driving the campaign and finishing off with some digital. And I really think things have shift, shifted. And so I think in the future, we're going to see more of that happening. Um, you really just can't compete with the amount of people we're able to target at the prices we're able to target. And the data is getting so good that the cost per leads are coming down. The quality of those leads is rivaling what we can get in print. I think it's just something that we have to all adjust to. So print media being more supplemental and specific as opposed to kind of a, a general blast out to the universe. Um, do you think that that is more so now with the current situation or do you see that as just kind of being where things are organically heading anyway? I think it's a luxury and it's expensive. And in some ways we've known that for a while as we've entered the digital realm and we realized, wow, we really can target people this way. We can run ads like this without 
the cost of just logistically printing something and delivering it. That is so, in some ways, exorbitantly expensive when we compare it to what we're able to do. Um, so I think going forward, it is going to look like, you know, yes, that's supplemental, but it's for luxury demographics. It's saying we've hit you on all these other platforms. Now we're going to send you, you know, this beautiful direct mail piece to really make sure that you come in as a lead for us. Yeah. I always find, you know, for me, I'm that guy. I'm that dude that is like the last minute holdout. Like I didn't want to get rid of my Blackberry because I love the clicky <laughs> buttons on my phone. And I like to open up a magazine and see the pretty pictures and I still have CDs and I don't listen to stuff on iTunes. So while I, you know, I see a lot of where things go digitally, I'm still something that, it, that captivates me is I, I love that physical tangible product in my hand. But I think to answer your question, like right now, we can't have it. We literally can't, you know, in some ways we can't print anything. We can't deliver it. You know, the printing presses have closed. Um, so I think as, you know, workers get more comfortable with Zoom, with working from home across all industries, we'll really start to see, hey, this is possible. It's possible to work from home or it's possible to deliver these really flexible digital advertising, you know, and focus on that and let that lead. Um, and, and we will start to see print take the, the passenger seat on things in a way that in some industries it has. And I think Trish, we were looking up um, data on this a little bit ago. And, and that recently, I think in the past couple of years, we've started to see from AdAge that um, digital spending is about 52% in terms of advertising. So we have really eclipsed, I say we, we, the digital team, um, <laughs> the print world in some ways that, that we are finally starting to see, hey, we're spending more in digital because of all these reasons. And, and right now with Corona, um, that's just, it's going to enhance that even more. We're going to start seeing more and more and faster change, I would it, think. It is true how we have this tendency to put up a barrier like, Oh my God, this is never going to happen or I can't do this. And this is just going to be a nightmare. And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of it and you go, huh, that wasn't so bad. I, this we is, this it, is fine. We had to do it. We had to yeah. like We're figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Just change like all change. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, everything just uh, is a natural evolution. And I just, I think, People are going to move in cycles. Business moves in cycles. So this is currently the cycle we're in. It'd be interesting to see kind of where it goes. Although I have a feeling both of you are, are very right in the sense of where where the marketing trends are going to go for sure. Um, I also wanted to uh, hit one last topic here, which is uh, kind of a, a passion project for Cynthia. And I know that she's not here and I know that we've kind of touched on this in the past, but I think our company is a little different in a lot of ways. But one of the ways is that not only is this company owned by a woman, our own amazing Cynthia Thurlow Kruger, but also that the marketing, branding, coding, and all that digital awesomeness in the entire company is also run by women, which is y'all. So what is the reality of working around the stigma that this industry, particularly in your specialized areas, has always been kind of a good old boys club. I can dive in on this. I feel like it's been an uphill battle a lot in this industry. It's definitely been something where it's a lot of just people who've been in the industry for a long time doing things how they've always done. And I think what we're seeing now, and I think Cynthia has been really great in reacting to this, is that 
there are communities out there that want to appeal to other people and we're becoming or we're seeing communities that are more diverse and they need people and agencies who also have that perspective. I think there's been this cohort of companies that are just good old boys clubs doing work for each other in the same way with templates for the same types of people for so long that that's starting to get reflected now and people are starting to push back on that. And I think especially too, when you think about baby boomers, they're a diverse group and they're aging into time for retirement. It's just not going to work anymore to do that same thing all the time where you're just appealing to that same group of people. Um, I think especially like Anna Rose and I have talked about affordability in the industry, particularly and how these old setups just don't work of building these luxury communities over and over again, marketing them the same way to these upper income segments. I think we have to start reacting to that. Okay. Anna Rose? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's funny in social media because to me that's a female-dominated space that we see influencers are, you know, one of those very rare job roles along with, I would say, sex workers and I don't know what, where women make more money on average than men. Um, Social media is a big one. But in terms of, like, actual agency work, um, when I, certainly when I sit in a results meeting where I'm looking at the numbers, I do feel like that's a, that's a male space. So I, I feel that, but, um, I think Trisha is totally on the mark as usual that as we start looking at, you know, clients who are intrigued by how do I diversify my lead base? How do I start reaching different people? They can see us as leaders in that, um, because we are women or we are younger or we do bring a different perspective to things. So in some ways it, it's been an advantage. Awesome. Well, I think that's a pretty good insight. And I think we've touched on a lot of topics today. And I definitely myself feel like I've learned a lot about what you do and then also what's going on out there in the industry. So I appreciate all of your insights on that. So thank you very much. Now, of course, we've got two questions that we ask everybody who comes on the show. These are Cynthia's famous slash infamous magic wand questions, okay? And so I'm going to ask you to each answer this question. So fast forward, all of a sudden, you're 80 years old, and while you're on a hike, you come across a magic lamp, right? You rub the lamp, and the senior living genie pops out and says, I'm going to grant you a wish for your dream community for you to live in for the rest of your life. Nothing is off limits. You can have anything you want. What kind of a community would you have that genie create for you? Anna Rose, go. Something I can afford. Okay. <laughs> I think, um, you know, starting this, I'm like such a bummer. Everyone's like, Anna Rose, the number one. It's me, like here with the bummer answer. But, um, you know, obviously, like Trish just touched on, we are really seeing the huge wave of the boomers hitting this industry like, oh my God, what are we going to do? How are they possibly going to be able to afford it? Everyone's retirement savings just went out the window with this uh, stock market crash. So okay. And I don't know, especially topical answer. Um, my cheeky answer is, of course, I would like to see a um, bourbon fountain just <laughs> overflowing. But um, if that means that I can't have my affordable community, then I don't want it. So Nothing is off limits. So- the, ge- the genie is magically making all of this stuff appear for you free of charge. So I love that. I love that. I think, um, I don't know if that's going to be a government subsidy or how we start working towards a future where we're actually supporting our seniors and not just the ones who 
you know, make, have saved a bunch of money. Um, mm-hmm. But it's certainly something that I think my age group, a millennial or a, or a Gen Z um, will think about is how do we support these large amounts of people who, you know, has the system supported them? I don't know. So that's definitely my biggest one. And it's something I think we are forced to think about a lot in this industry doing the work that we do. Okay. So what about the features though of this community? I mean, you've got your bourbon fountain flowing freely uh, in all of its awesome bourbon flavored glory. What else would you have in there? What kind of food would it be? What would it look like? Oh, I mean, obviously I'm a coastal girl. I want all of those fresh green juices. I want my salmon, you know, I want my green beans. I want salt and pepper on it. Um, I know as you age, like you don't want all of those super spicy foods, but I want my spicy foods. I want things from all colors of the rainbow. Um, So of course, like everyone says, culinary is a big one for me and activities, being able to go on hikes. But I think it's been, I don't know, it's cool to work in this and and to be younger than obviously our target resident, but to start to see, wow, things are changing and that, um, I don't know, activities are prioritized, amenities are prioritized. Those are things that everyone wants at all ages. Awesome. All right, Trish, your turn. Magic genie time. Oh my gosh, they love this. And they love your community. And I definitely echo the idea for affordability. I think the industry knows it's an issue, but I, I haven't really seen anyone responding in a really interesting way yet. So I'm excited to see what happens. But if I had my own community... I'm really, I'm picturing it's outdoors, okay? And I really love the idea of tiny houses. It's not super friendly if you are a senior and you don't really want stairs anymore. So I think it's kind of a tiny house, but it's a rebrand on like a a mobile home, you know? Like a tiny house really is just a mobile home. So I guess it's a mobile home community. And a big piece of it, I think, programming-wise, so... I've been talking with my grandparents and my grandma always says, she says, you know, Trish, I can't sleep at night. I go to sleep. I wake up at one in the morning, like every time. That's just what happens. That's just what happens when you get older. And I feel like these communities, I know it's a constraint of staffing, but there's no one there at night for programming. And what if there was like, what if there was an astronomy class? What if there was like in a midnight insomnia club Like, what if there's something for those people who we know that they're waking up at like one in the morning and they can't sleep for hours or whatever it is. Like, I want someone to address that in my community. So I also have to say I want community cats. I know there are some communities that are doing that, but I just think having the like animal in the common space that you could go chill with at any time of the day, that's a huge highlight for me. Huge just a lot of cats running around. <laughs> right. I love the outdoor. I think Trish, that goes really well with the Seattle freeze. Like if you really don't want to hang out with anyone and you're like, what is the <laughs> community? I'm not down. I want to be by myself, but I might need services someday. You can get your tiny mobile home house and participate in the cool activities, but you don't have to be like, I'm in a community with all that stigma that we yeah. know is attached. So what about your, uh, what about your version of the bourbon fountain and the food? What's, uh, what's up your alley? Oh man, I love beer. I really want a brewery in a community. I've heard whisperings of it, but I haven't seen anyone do it. But I think whoever opens up a brewery in their community first, like I am coming to visit. Do the residents brew? Do they participate? Yeah, as much as they can. Or they 
bartend because, you know, they're just chatting with people. They're hanging out in the cafe. They're coming up with recipes. They're writing the menus. That sounds amazing. So what is that one thing that you think communities can do today to make a difference in their online marketing and social media presence? Just one thing. Okay, please, for the love of God, everyone needs to get a list of their credentials together. This is something I've talked about with Cynthia at length, but so many times communities come to us and they don't know who owns their website, who has their hosting, what's the login to the Google business listing, who's the admin on the Facebook page. And it's scary because you don't, you know, I've never seen anything happen, but when all of those things are spread out to the wind and they're random ex-employees, ex-agencies, people move on from jobs, sometimes we can't get them back or you open yourself up for people to post whatever, or what usually happens is someone posts a bad review on Google and then you're not able to respond because you don't have access. So that's what I always tell communities that I meet is that please figure out where all of your stuff lives, spend a little time, make a list, keep it up to date, and that will give you so much peace of mind. Oh, that is a fantastic call out. Well, Trent, that was pragmatic and tangible. Mine is very vague. Um, it's with every social media post to say, of course, you're already doing it. You have a Facebook, whatever's happening on it with every post to think about who your audience is and to think about the fact that it's not just your prospective residents or your families, but it's also your staff. It's also any person that has ever, you know, they're an organization that they've visited once they're going to see that content, um, and to tailor it for them in a, in a little bit of what you do and a little bit of what you think about when you're doing that post. Two awesome points to take with you today. Any final thoughts, ladies, for the day before we close this out? I think I think this is a big thing. I think focusing on content marketing is going to be huge, like we just talked about in our coming, you know, months and years of how do we transition to digital. One of the biggest ways is we focus on content marketing. And if that's communities creating their own podcast or having blog articles, all of those things are, you know, what we're going to be seeing online. Um, so I'm very stoked to be here and to, to be talking to you today. Well, thank you both very much for hanging out today in the soup for our epic two-part episode with social and digital. This has been very insightful. I've learned a lot. Like I said, uh, this is really, really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for not only us, but for the industry and for the world as a whole. So, and for all you out there in podcast land, please, you like what we're talking about? Send us a comment. You got some questions. You want some clarification? You want Anna Rose and Trish to answer some very specific things geared just towards you? Send us an email, cosmicsoup at thirdthird.com. And of course, Anna Rose, where can they follow us in social media land? Yes, please find us on the social internet. We are on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Third Third Marketing. That's at 3RDTHIRD Marketing. And on Twitter at 3RDTHIRD underscore MKTV. Yes, please follow us and we'll talk to you real soon on Cosmic Soup. <laughs>